1: From the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. Coming up this hour,
2: stocks drop as the Fed continues its aggressive battle against inflation.
1: The Bank of England set to deliver its biggest rate increase in 33 years.
2: Massive job cuts
1: may be coming at Twitter. And China locks down the world's largest iPhone factory.
3: The man accused of shooting two Newark police officers has been arrested. Plus, President Biden warns voters democracy is at stake in the midterm. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead.
4: I'm John Stashauer in sports. Baseball history. The Astros with a combined no-hitter on the Phillies to tie
5: the World Series. The Knicks lost to the Hawks. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 11 New York. Bloomberg 99-1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app.
2: Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. and U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down about 5 points, Dow futures down 16, NASDAQ futures down 23, and the 10-year Treasury down 1130 seconds. yield 4.14%, and the yield on the two-year, 4.68%. Nathan.
2: Karen, we begin with the Fed-fueled sell-off on Wall Street. The S&P 500 suffered its worst rout on a Fed decision day since january 2021 it plunged two and a half percent as expected the fed did raise rates 75 basis points for a fourth straight time but stocks sold off during chairman jay powell's news conference he made it clear more rate hikes are
6: coming it is very premature to be thinking about pausing so people when they hear lags they think about about a pause it's very premature in my view to 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 think about or be talking about Pausing our rate hike. We, we have we have a ways to go. Our policy, we need ongoing rate hikes to get to um to, to that level. The move
2: by Jay Powell and the Fed lifts the benchmark to a three and three quarter to four percent range. That's from nearly zero in March.
1: Well reaction poured into the Fed keeping its aggressive tone. Scott Minard is chief investment officer at Guggenheim.
6: The message is loud and clear. You know, we're going to keep raising sure. rates until we get price stability, and that's probably going to go into 2023.
1: And Guggenheim's Scott Minard said the Fed may raise rates significantly higher than 5 to 5.5% expectations in the first half of next year. We also caught up with BlackRock senior portfolio manager Jeffrey Rosenberg. The Fed does not want to see a replay of what we saw in July. It does not want to see premature financial condition easing on the signs of any Fed pivot. BlackRock senior portfolio manager Jeffrey Rosenberg's sentiments were echoed by former Philadelphia Fed president Charles Plosser.
7: They know they can't, they can't just stop because it won't work. Historical experience teaches us that, so um, they don't have much choice if they really want to commit to lowering inflation.
1: Former Philadelphia Fed President Charles Plosser made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes, and we'll bring you more of that conversation a little later in the program.
2: Well, the focus on monetary policy now, Karen, turns to Europe, where the Bank of England is expected to deliver its biggest rate increase in 33 years. We get a preview from Bloomberg's UN Potts in London.
8: Another day, another jumbo rate hike. A 75 basis point increase in the key UK interest rate is now almost fully priced in by money markets. That would take the base rate from two and a quarter to three percent, the highest since 2008 and the biggest single hike since 1989. Governor Andrew Bailey will give a press conference shortly after the announcement, which comes at midday. Investors will also be watching out for the bank's report on the economic outlook likely to confirm a recession is now underway. A loss has changed since the last forecast at the beginning of August. Beefed-up government support for household energy bills will restrain inflation over the winter. After April, the government has yet to set out a plan. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: you hey Ewan, thanks. In Asia, China has locked down the world's largest iPhone factory. And Bloomberg Daybreak, Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong.
9: China is not playing games with COVID-0. Authorities swooped in and put the zone around the Zhengzhou Foxconn plant off limits. It's the last thing that Apple needed or that Foxconn wanted given the upcoming holiday season. First, a COVID outbreak, then an enforced quarantine, and then an exodus of workers. They literally walked 20 miles to get home or to a train. Some 200,000 people work here. It's a stark reminder of the dangers for Apple in a COVID-0 mindset. The lockdown runs until November 9th, but it could go longer. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thank you. In corporate news, big job
2: cuts are on the way at Twitter. Bloomberg News has learned the new owner, Elon Musk, plans to eliminate about half the social media company's workforce. That's about 3,700 jobs. We get more from Bloomberg's Zed Ludlow in our 960 newsroom in San Francisco.
6: Sources say that's the plan. The, the layoff list will be confirmed Friday, and those affected will be... Informed, We, we kind of knew this was coming right. We reported over the weekend that managers across product teams have been asked to draw up a list of candidates that would reduce headcount by 50%. Um, uh, you know, and, and Musk is making his mark on this company.
2: Bloomberg's Ed Bloodlow says Musk also intends to reverse the company's existing work from anywhere policy, asking remaining employees to report to offices.
1: And job cuts may also be on the way at Morgan Stanley. Nathan, Reuters is reporting the financial firm will start layoffs globally in the coming weeks.
2: Well, Several stocks are on the move this morning following earnings. Karen, we're watching shares of Qualcomm this morning. They're down nearly 7%. The company delivered a far
8: weaker forecast than expected. We get the details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Qualcomm is the biggest maker of smartphone processors, and it says revenue will be $9.2 to $10 billion in the fiscal first quarter. Now that compares with an average analyst estimate of $12 billion. The outlook suggests that the slumping market for consumer devices is eroding even faster than expected. Even before the report, the stock was down 38% this year, hurt by concerns that smartphone demand was on shaky ground in New York. Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: all right Charlie. Thanks. Well, shares of Altice USA are down more than twenty three percent this morning. The broadband and video service provider's earnings missing analyst estimates. Shares of Roku down eighteen percent. The maker of set top boxes consumers use to watch streaming services forecast a wider than expected fourth quarter loss. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines plus a check of sports and this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. It's five oh seven on Wall Street. We're at
2: fifty-five degrees in Central Park. We yeah, got construction going both ways on the New Jersey Turnpike. We'll fill you in with the details and traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr's here with more on what's going on in New York and
3: around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Authorities say they got him. A two-day manhunt ended in Newark, New Jersey, with the arrest of the suspect who police say shot two officers Tuesday. Police arrested 30-year-old Kendall Howard yesterday, the suspect in the shooting of two of their officers while they were serving a warrant. SWAT storming a Newark apartment building going door to door until police say they found him and brought him out. Essex County Acting Prosecutor Ted Stevens says Howard will face charges. Mr. Howard has been
4: charged with two counts of attempted murder Of North Police Officers.
3: Prosecutor Ted Stevens says the injured officers are hospitalized in stable condition. The convicted shooter in the Parkland, Florida high school massacre has been sentenced.
5: Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. Nicholas Cruz sentenced for each of the students.
10: 17 for the murder in the first degree of Peter Wang, the court imposes a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole.
5: Judge Elizabeth Scherer handing down 17 life sentences connected to the students involved. Those sentences are to be run consecutively, so 17 lifetimes. In total, there were 34 sentences. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. With the midterm elections just five
3: days away, President Biden is warning about political violence. In a speech last night, Biden said voters are choosing between democracy and extremism and pointed the finger directly
9: at former President Trump. American democracy Center under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refused to accept the results of the 2020 election.
3: President Biden then linked violence at the Capitol on January 6th to the recent attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband. Former President Trump has settled a lawsuit filed by a group of protesters who say they were roughed up by the Republicans' private security guards. During his 2015 presidential campaign, the two sides settled as a jury was being selected in a New York courtroom for a civil trial. Details of the settlement were not divulged. The lawsuit alleges Trump's bodyguards attacked him outside his Manhattan skyscraper on September of 2015 as they protested negative comments Trump made about Mexico and Mexican immigrants. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you.
4: Almost 5.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stashow. Good morning, Nathan. Astros and Phillies. Game four of the World Series the night after the Phillies won with a shutout. The Astros had a shutout. That's not all they had. And the pitch from Presley.
8: A swing and a ground ball to third. Bregman has it. The throw to first, and that'll do it. The Astros even up the World Series with a 5-0 win tonight. And four of their pitchers combined to no hit the Philadelphia Phillies as Presley finishes off what Christian Javier started. ESPN
4: had the call. Houston scored all the games five runs on five hits in the fifth inning. The Phils could not touch Javier, who's on an amazing roll. He allowed only one hit in his start versus the Yankees in the ALCS in his last six starts. Covering 34 innings, Javier has not allowed a run. He's never allowed more than two hits. Only previous World Series no-hitter, Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. Pivotal Game 5 tonight, Houston starts Justin Verlander. Future Hall of Famer still seeking his first World Series win. He's 0-6. The ex-Met, Noah Syndergaard, starts for the Phil. Disastrous game for the Knicks at the Garden. They led Atlanta by 23 and then trailed by 19, so they got outscored. 79 to 37. The Hawks won 112.99, led by off-season pickup DeMonte Murray scored a career-high 36 points. Knicks third straight lost their first loss at home. The Nets and Kyrie Irving jointly announced both will donate $500,000 to anti-hate causes. Irving last Saturday doubled down on that posting of an anti-Semitic video. He has now released a statement that said he takes responsibility, meant no harm, opposes all forms of hatred. John our Bloomberg Sports, Nathan.
2: Thank you, John. S&P futures now down four points. Dow futures down 16. NASDAQ futures down 23 after the sell-off yesterday following the Fed decision. Former Philadelphia Pre- Fed President Charles Klosser with us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Sports is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information
5: markets headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at bloomberg.com the bloomberg business app and at bloomberg quick Tape. this is a bloomberg business flash
1: I'm Karen Moscow. Futures falling this morning. S&P futures down about 8 points. Dow futures down 47. NASDAQ futures down 34. And the 10-year Treasury down 1632. seconds. Yield 4.16%. They yield on the two-year at 4.68%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good
3: morning, Karen. President Joe Biden asked voters to consider the future of democracy when they vote in next week's midterm elections during last night speech Biden urged voters to reject Donald Trump's big lie Christian Javier and the Astros bullpen combined for just the second no-hitter in World Series history Houston one game four against the Phillies five zip to even the series two games apiece global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg quick take powered by more than 2700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries I'm Michael Barr and this is Bloomberg Nathan Thank you, Michael. It is 518 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios,
2: this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. It's a new phase in the Federal Reserve's fight against inflation after raising interest rates another 75 basis points again. Fed Chair Jay Powell said rates will have to go higher than earlier projected, though he said the path to get there may mean smaller hikes. For more on the central bank's policy outlook, Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes and Heidi Stroud-Watts spoke with former Philadelphia Federal Reserve Bank President Charles Plosser.
10: To you, is this a hawkish Fed? Is it a dovish Fed? Is it a Fed that is on the right track?
7: Well, I, it's not a hawkish Fed. I mean, they, they, they put themselves in a position where they had to do this. This is kind of a, a problem of their own nation. Uh, I thought Powell today spoke very eloquently about inflation, about the dangers of inflation, why the Fed needed to act. I don't know where that Powell was 12 or 18 months ago when um, he said they didn't have to worry about inflation for at least two or three years. That The Fed should keep it at zero, keep rates at zero and not worry about inflation. Um, I hope he's more accurate now than he was then. Uh, so I think they did exactly what everybody expected him to do. I think the question is: Is this enough?
10: Well, you you took the words right out of my mouth. Is it enough? Willing to go above the neutral rate? He says it's an estimate, somewhere you know, two to three percent. Is that going to be high enough, even if they do go
7: above neutral? Well, I don't. I don't. uh, People mean different things by by neutral, but the definite between two and three percent, I don't think is high enough. Maybe if. If inflation is still sitting at four or 5%, even if it comes down from where it is now, which I expect it to do, it's not going to be at 2% by the end of the year. So they're going to be looking at a four or 5% inflation rate at the end of the year. That means that real interest rates are still deeply negative, even if they get to two or 3%. But the the real rate will still be minus 2%. That's not, that's very accommodative still and not very restrictive. So I, I don't think that's enough or uh, mm-hmm. will be enough at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, if, if inflation comes down, maybe they'll get a re- reprieve. We don't know that. But I think it's it's it's, it's misleading, I believe, to sort of talk about the neutral rate as if that's enough to bring inflation down. Because by mean any traditional standards, it won't be.
10: That actually, in fact, 75 basis points hikes are still
0: feasible.
7: I think they are, and I think, I think that the Fed, I think Powell was a little bit, um, uh, playing the markets or trying to appease the markets with this. Uh, I don't think he should have taken 75% off, 75 basis points off the table as many people have interpreted. I don't, I think they, they need to be still on the table, uh, and, uh, and that the Fed ought to have that option.
10: So in that case, they dug a right. So if if that's the case, have they dug themselves a bigger hole in terms of market expectations?
7: Well, they, they may have. I mean, they dug themselves a big hole two years ago when they adopted their new strategy that said inflation was not going to be a problem. They could keep rates at zero for two or three years. Um, they dug a hole for themselves there, and, and you know, frankly, if they had done what many people, myself included, suggested they do, was begin tapering the purchases and getting on with rate increases a year ago, um, they wouldn't be in this position of having to raise rates 75 basis points or, or disrupt markets with rapid increases. It reminds me of the old, what we used to call, co-stop policies of the Fed, where you okay. step on the accelerator to boost the economy, reduce employment, only, have to, only having to slam on the brakes to stop inflation. Okay. Well, That's you- the policy they seem to be practicing.
10: Charlie, at this point, is it possible for the Federal Reserve to uh, slow the economy? Powell talked about the hot labor market possibly cooling off. Uh, he said getting inflation down is challenging, but there's a, a chance of a softer, softish landing. Can the Fed achieve that, or is a recession pretty much inevitable at this point?
7: Who, who knows? Uh, I mean, the Fed it could. The Fed should be very lucky. Uh, and achieve a sort of somewhat soft landing. I don't know the answer to that. Um But uh, it's a very fine needle, and it'll take uh, a lot of luck, I think, not just a policy decision, but luck in order to achieve that at this point. It, there's just no record of the Fed raising rates to minus 2% in real terms and stopping inflation. So the balance that's sheet the, runoff,
10: Charlie, that's going to... start. Than mine. Yeah. If the balance sheet runoff is going to get up to about 95 billion a month, uh, what is it? 60 in Treasury, 60 billion and 35 billion in MBS. It's going to take about three months to get there. Um, is this going to make a difference in how much they need to raise rates? I know Jim Bullard from the St. Louis Fed has, is, and others have sort of talked about this. What's your sense of how that's going to work? And if, it, if, if aggressive balance sheet runoff could Uh, augment the amount of rate hikes they seem ready to do right now?
7: Well, uh, I think that's very dubious. Powell today said he didn't know. (laughs) They don't know what the effect of the balance sheet runoff is in terms of rate hikes. or or, um, They hope it works, but there's, there's no way to be sure.
2: And that was former Philadelphia Fed President Charles Plosser speaking with Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes and Heidi Stroud-Watts. You can catch the full interview on Bloomberg.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal. Stay with us here on Bloomberg Daybreak. We're going to continue getting reaction to the Fed decision as we await the Bank of England. Also, big job cuts may be coming to Twitter we got top stories of the morning straight ahead here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Looking ahead to the market open, futures are pointing to more losses after the Fed-fueled route yesterday. S&P futures are down four points. Dow futures down 19. NASDAQ futures lower by 22 points. Ten-year Treasury is down 17.30 seconds for a yield of 4.17%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunny mid-60s today. We'll be in the upper 60s tomorrow with more sunshine. Low 70s for the weekend. By Sunday, chance for a shower. Right now, 54 in Central Park.
1: And it's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg
2: Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at seic.com slash IMS.
1: And we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are lower after a hawkish Fed led to a Wall Street sell-off yesterday. As expected, the central bank raised interest rates 75 basis points. But stocks sold off when Fed Chair Jay Powell made clear monetary tightening still has a ways to go.
6: We still have some ways to go, and incoming data since our last meeting suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than previously expected.
1: And the move by Jay Powell and the Fed lifts the benchmark to a 3.75% to 4% range from nearly zero in March.
2: A reaction poured into the Fed's aggressive tone. Karen iCapital chief investment strategist Anastasia Amorosa says traders are left with an uncertain path ahead.
0: Initially, the markets got what they wanted, which is it seems like we are going to slow the path of rate increases. But then in the same breath, Fed Chair Powell mentioned that we have ways to go before we actually can pause. And that's what's really unsettled the markets. The hope going into it is that we can maybe start to see the beginning of the end of the tightening cycle. We cannot draw that conclusion right now.
2: Anastasia Moroso with iCapital says economic indicators show the chances of a recession are around 50%.
1: Well, former Philadelphia Fed President Charles Plosser says the probability of the Fed achieving a soft landing may be slimmer.
7: The Fed could be very lucky and achieve a sort of somewhat soft landing. It's a very fine needle, and it'll take a lot of luck, not just a policy decision, but luck to achieve that at this point.
1: Former Philadelphia Fed President Charles Plosser says Jay Powell should still consider another 75-basis-point hike at next month's FOMC meeting.
2: Uh, monetary policy is also in focus in Europe this morning, Karen. The Bank of England is expected to deliver its biggest rate increase in 33 years.
1: All over in Asia, Nathan, China locked down the world's largest iPhone factory in the Zhengzhou area to cut COVID spread. The lockdown is expected to last until next week.
2: In other corporate news this morning, Bloomberg News has learned Elon Musk plans to eliminate about- about half of Twitter's workforce. That's about 3,700 jobs.
1: And job cuts may also be on the way at Morgan Stanley. Reuters is reporting the financial firm will start layoffs globally in the coming weeks. Futures this morning lower. S&P futures down three points. Dow futures down 14. Nasdaq futures down 16. Ten-year treasury down 17.30 seconds. Yield 4.17 percent. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg.
2: Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 53 degrees in Central Park. Slow on the westbound LIE this morning. Michael Barr has more on
3: what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. The man who authorities said wounded two Newark police officers as they attempted to question him about a previous shooting was taken into custody yesterday. Kendall Howard, who is 30, is charged with the attempted murder of the two officers. State Attorney General Matt Platkin provided an update on the officer's shot.
6: I had the opportunity to visit with them last night. uh, Thank God they are recovering and will recover.
3: A.G. Plantkin and authorities say one officer was shot in the leg and the other was shot in the neck Tuesday. With just days to go before major midterm elections, President Joe Biden is imploring voters to save American democracy. Biden brought up ultra MAGA Republicans, a reference to Donald Trump's Make America Great Again slogan and mounting concerns over political violence.
9: I believe the voices excusing Are calling for violence and intimidation, are a distinct minority in America. But they're loud and they are determined.
3: Last night's speech came a few days after a man seeking to kidnap House Speaker Nancy Pelosi severely injured her husband, Paul Pelosi, in their San Francisco home. North Korea has fired at least three missiles that forced the Japanese government to issue evacuation alerts and temporarily halt trains. Today's launches were the latest in a series of North Korean weapons tests in recent months. Get your lottery tickets out. It's time to play America's favorite jackpot game. This is Powerball. The bad news is you didn't win the big one. But the good news is no one else did either. Nobody hit the magic life-changing numbers. (laughs) But win the $1.2 billion Powerball jackpot. That means the jackpot for the next Powerball drawing is estimated to be $1. Point five billion dollars on Saturday. It is crazy. Nobody's won it yet, Michael. Ooh, as back in crazy. August last time. And yeah. By the way, the numbers—if you don't believe me—were uh, two, <laughs> eleven, 23, 35, and sixty with the Powerball twenty-three. Told you, you didn't have them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Global News, twenty-four hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than twenty-seven hundred journalists, analysts, more than one hundred twenty countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is the broke Michael Barr. Back to Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Michael. Thank you. 535 on Wall
2: Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer.
4: Thanks, Nathan. A World Series no-hitter, and it only happened once before. Don Larson's perfect game against the Brooklyn Dodgers, 1956 at Yankee Stadium. Pitchers don't throw complete games anymore, so it was a combined no-hitter. It started with the Astros' Christian Javier. It ended with Ryan Presley, just like the combined no-hitter the Astros had at Yankee Stadium, back in June, Astros blanked the Phillies five to nothing. The World Series is tied at two, heading to Game Five tonight. The Houston manager, Dusty Baker, that, that they have a great offensive club over there, and they got a lot of energy in this ballpark. And uh, so it's it's uh, man, it's a strange series. I mean, they hit five home runs yesterday, and then no hits today. I mean, this this is a daily game and filled with daily emotions. The only other postseason no-hitter was in 2010 at that stadium in Philly by Roy Halladay against the Reds, who were managed then by Baker. At the Garden, Knicks were rolling, led the Hawks by 23, but got outscored in the third quarter 32 to 10 They had more turnovers than points. Atlanta won 112-99, led by Demonte Murray's career-high 36 points. He had nine assists, six steals. The Nets and Kyrie Irving will both donate $500,000 to anti-hate causes. They released a statement with the Anti-Defamation League in which Irving said he's learning and is willing to listen. Last week, he posted a link to an anti-Semitic video. Is Dan Snyder going to sell the Washington Commanders? Their fans are hoping that's the case. He's hired Bank of America to help, quote, consider all options. John Stash, at Bloomberg Sports. Anything? All
2: right, uh, John, thank you. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Scott Carr.
9: New Jersey's Campbell Soup Company shaking things at the top. CFO Mick Bequeason takes the top spot at the company's meat and beverage division, replacing Chris Foley, who takes the job of president of its snack division. Breeze Airways has added a couple of new nonstop flights out of Westchester County Airport, one to L.A., another to Sarasota, Bradenton, Florida. Guests on Breeze can choose from three price bundles offered as Nice, Nicer, and Nicest. Nicest gets a first-class seat aboard an Airbus A220. Breeze now serves nine. Nine cities out of the airport, six of them nonstop flights. The Garden State hasn't yet fallen into a recession, according to data from the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. Despite the state's economy shrinking by an annualized rate of 1% in this year's second quarter, New Jersey's first quarter GDP shrunk by a 2.2% annual rate, putting it 33rd in the nation and worse than most states in the region. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Scott Carr.
2: Thanks, Scott. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to new york london to hong kong let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on
4: our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world Steve Potus on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about Roku's warning of slowing ad spending on its streaming platform.
1: I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Marathon Oil is buying three billion dollars in natural gas assets from Ensign Natural Resources. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for
10: WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that Minnesota ranks third on a list of states where its residents are prospering the most.
8: I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio. In London, we've been reporting on the market fallout from the Fed's latest decision with a sell-off on
9: stocks and bonds. I'm Scott Carr on WDCH in Washington. I'm reporting media entrepreneur Byron Allen's now added to the list of possible future owners of the Washington Commanders football team.
2: And those are some of the stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are reporting on this morning around the world. It is 539 on Wall Street. The following
5: is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion.
8: This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Countries around the world have been experimenting with ways to ease the pain of high energy prices, with one solution getting increased attention, windfall taxes. The idea is to demand a surcharge from companies that have benefited from high energy prices, then use the proceeds to aid ailing consumers or businesses. Russia's invasion of Ukraine created a boon for the energy industry. Surging profits have resulted in billions distributed in dividends or spent on share buybacks. But the benefits of windfall taxes are very likely less than advertised. Such a tax evades all the difficult problems the Western world must confront as it tries to wean itself from Russian energy. A windfall tax is no solution at all. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N-G-O on the Bloomberg Terminal.
5: This has been Bloomberg
8: Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday. At this time, Terminal
2: customers can read more at O-P-I-N-G-O. This is Bloomberg. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information.
5: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. And stocks in U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning after Jerome Powell said the Federal Reserve would raise interest rates more than previously anticipated sapping risk appetite. We checked the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 10 points. Dow futures down 52. NASDAQ futures down 38. The DAX in Germany is down three-quarters of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 22.30 seconds. Yield 4.19 percent. Yield on the two-year, four 72%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.5% on one and a half percent on a dollar thirty five at eighty-eight dollars sixty five cents a barrel. Comex gold down one point six percent or twenty-seven dollars ten cents at sixteen twenty-two ninety an ounce. The euro point nine seven five one against the dollar, British pound one point one two five seven. And the yen, 148.25. Bitcoin's up six tenths percent at $20,300. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael.
3: Thank you very much, Darren. There were three more missile tests by North Korea, including a suspected intercontinental ballistic missile that reportedly failed in mid-flight. People in northern Japan awoke to sirens and were instructed to seek shelter. Christian Javier and the Astros' bullpen combined for just the second no-hitter in World Series history. Houston won Game 4 against the Phillies. Five zip to even the series at two games apiece. Speaking of irony, Thursday night football, the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles take on the Houston Texans. See? The NFL's Washington (laughs) Commanders. Could be for sale. Owner Dan and Daniel Snyder say that they've hired Bank of America Securities to consider potential transactions. NBA, Knicks, and Celtics lost. Wizards won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. Michael Barr, who didn't hit the Powerball, this is Bloomberg,
2: Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's go from uh, fanciful monetary policy to the actual stuff with the Fed decision reaction. We're joined now by Sarah House, Senior Economist at Wells Fargo. Uh, Good to have you with us this morning after Fed Day, Sarah. I would really be curious, actually, to get your uh, reaction to what we saw in the markets yesterday with the statement saying that they might wait for uh, the effects of cumulative tightening to work their way through the economy, only for Chairman Powell to step to the lectern and say, uh, maybe not so fast.
11: Yeah, so I think that the Powell's press conference is actually consistent with the statement in terms of, of signaling that they might be ready to slow down the pace. But he elaborated on the fact that just because the Fed is slowing down the pace of tightening does not mean that they are in any ways done. So I think what the markets were reacting to in that press conference was the fact that he made very clear that rates ultimately will likely need to go higher and they also might have to stay higher than what the what the markets were were anticipating going into the
2: meeting. And I guess the question now for market participants, and I suppose for economists as well, is how much higher will rates go? What will that terminal rate be? Have you changed your forecast based on what we heard from the chairman yesterday?
11: And we haven't changed it yet, but I think the, the risks are certainly skewed higher, and I think they were even skewed higher going into the meeting. So if you saw, for example, last Friday, another very strong outturn in real consumer spending at the same time that you are seeing demand for labor hold up and a pretty moderate slowdown in, in the jobs market and hiring picture generally. And so I think from that picture that we saw that the Fed still has more work to do, particularly given the stickiness of of inflation.
2: So did anything change much after the statement, given that the markets have been sort of pricing in the idea that we could see slower interest rate hike increases in in coming meetings? The chairman even opened up the possibility that we could see it next month.
11: Yes, I think that was in many ways the primary focus of the meeting is just trying to get a sense of, well... What's ahead even at the, at the next meeting? So of course the feds moved so fast this year that even just trying to get a handle on what's at that very next meeting has, has become a primary focus, but it's been important to not lose sight of, of where the fed ultimately goes. So I think that's what was, what Pal was having to balance. Um, yesterday. And I think we saw at least when it comes to December, I think a very strong case is building for the Fed to downshift to only a 50 basis point hike. So not only does it seem like the Fed's changing their reaction function a little bit, so becoming less tied to what uh, just a few data prints hit like, but trying to Uh, trying to incorporate a more holistic view of of what they're seeing in the economy um, in areas like housing that reflects some of the the bigger forces of tightening that we've seen, as well as accounting for just how much tightening they've already done and the lags within monetary policy.
2: What does the Fed need to say to bring more conviction to that view for a 50 basis point increase next month?
11: Well, I think you probably have to hear some more caution on the part of other Fed speakers. So we certainly saw Lael Brainard, the vice chair, strike a cautionary note. She was mentioning the cumulative effects of tightening need to be in consideration You know, early in October. Esther George, who's traditionally been a hawk, has been a person who's been out there signaling that, look, we need to be a little bit more cautious with where we go from here. We've already done quite a lot, and we want to be careful that we don't overdo it, that we don't oversteer to use to use her words, but I think we have to see that that chorus grow a little bit louder. At the same time, that we see at least a, a little bit of softening in, in some of the inflation prints. That so we'll get a look at that next week, and I think there's there's a decent chance that at least in the core readings, we see at least a, a moderate step towards a slightly slightly slower uh, core inflation.
2: Only about thirty seconds left here, Sarah. Do you think we'll see softness in the jobs market with the payrolls report coming out tomorrow?
11: the moderation. So we're looking for a gain of just 190,000. So that's a pretty significant slowdown from what we saw even even last month, but also just the year-to-date average of 420,000. But if you step back, that's, that's still a pretty strong number when we think about just the overall labor supply and population dynamics of the United States. So moderating, but still very strong.
2: Thanks, Sarah. As always, Sarah House, Senior Economist at Wells Fargo with us this morning. Karen.
11: Well, Nathan, it is
1: 5.53 on Wall Street, and now a legal story. We're watching this morning a federal judge. Well, first of all, it's brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now, a federal judge has blocked Penguin Random House's almost $2.2 billion acquisition of rival book publisher Simon & Schuster, ruling that the purchase of the fourth largest U.S. book publisher by the largest publisher would lessen competition in the market for publishing rights to anticipated top-selling books. It's the first win for the Justice Department's antitrust division after three losses in a row. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to antitrust law expert Harry First, a professor at NYU Law School. Antitrust is usually focused on harm to consumers, but the Justice Department's theory here was
10: harm to authors and authors' earnings. Was this a novel
6: approach? So this is the second interesting thing about the case. The first one was that they won. (laughs) Second interesting thing is the Justice Department focused on, as they like to call it, on labor, so on workers. And this has been an important part of the Biden administration's political focus, that they want to do things to make workers' incomes higher. And this case was positioned to focus on that, on workers. Now, when we think of workers, we think of, you know, people in the oil field, people on manufacturing lines. We don't usually think of Stephen King. So workers and million dollar advances. I don't know, but here it's authors. Now, from an economist point of view, and really also from a technical antitrust point of view, workers or labor is another market. And antitrust is concerned with competition in markets. So you want to have appropriate competition, not just for firms as they sell products, but firms as they buy products from their suppliers. Now, the suppliers here are authors which supply their talent. And for the markets to work right, you want competition, as they say, on both sides of the market.
0: Is this a case really of there's been so much consolidation in the
10: publishing industry for 20 years and taking it from five to four was just
0: a step too far?
6: Well, my answer would be sure, but under current law, that's not enough. Judges will say, well, so tell me why four is not enough to beat competition. So the government has to define a market and has to show some effect within a defined market. Now, what's critical, the judge accepted the definition of a market that the Justice Department put forward, which is sort of an unusual market, market for U.S. publishing rights to anticipated top-selling books. So exactly what books are those? Whatever it is, it's actually not the market for advances to all authors. So the judge accepted the notion that was put forward by the Justice Department's economist that this is a well-enough defined market in which you can show that putting these two firms together will result in lowering the price that they pay for the author's rights.
1: And that's Harry First, a professor at NYU Law School, speaking with Bloomberg student Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at bloomberglaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. And futures this morning, they're lower. S&P futures down 12 points, down futures down 72, and NASDAQ futures down 45. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, we have a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this
0: is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate?